Welcome back to the Hockey House Pod, episode 95, presented by OptumX Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined alongside by Aiden Collins and executive producer David Herman for this week's episode as we bring you all the latest news from around the ACHA and AAU college hockey. A little bit of a slower week, uh, not as much to talk about. Offseason is pretty much in full swing as we bring you, you know, the end of the semester. Guys are getting ready for finals, nice weather, everyone's enjoying the offseason. We'll throw it over to Collins first. How was the week? It's been good. It's it's getting to uh, to crunch time here in Philly. Lots of job interviews, lots of projects for you know public relations and all my other classes and finals coming up within the next like week and a half. So yeah, things are really picking up here and it's starting to get stressful, but we're making through it. We're we're still finding time to relax and obviously finding time to record the podcast. So yeah. Awesome stuff. Collins, you you were jumped on this week for the interview, which we'll get to later on, but it was it was definitely a good one. We're excited to bring it to you guys. Herm, I got to see you. You made the trip over to Syracuse this week, but uh, other than that, what have you been up to? Very, very thrilling stuff going on right now in Utica. Comets kind of snuck into the playoffs. It was kind of a wild situation in the North Division where they could have finished anywhere from the fourth seed to the third seed or even the second seed if a wild series of events happened on the last couple of days but they took on Laval in the opening round matchup. Went to Canada, shut out the Rocket 4 to nothing in front of a 10,000-seat place bell, and then took it home. Riley Walsh tied it up with two seconds to go, and Sam LeBurge stuck a dagger in the Rocket to sweep the series for Utica. That building absolutely erupted in a way that I don't think I've heard from a place in a long, long, long time. Absolutely er- electric stuff, uh, Photo wound up in the front page of the newspaper. Just great times as uh, my boss and our videographer headed up for the next round series against the Toronto Marlies. How about you, Murph? It was a big weekend in Syracuse. We had Friday afternoon, I did my capstone presentation uh, for my advertising class. So that was a whole semester's worth of work that we presented, and I think we killed it. Went down uh, to the bar on campus, got a couple drinks, went back, hung out with my buddies, and then we got ready. It was the Dave Portnoy bar crawl this weekend. Syracuse was named best bar town in the country. Prize for that was Dave Portnoy, Josh Richards, and Brianna Chicken Fry coming to town. Good friend of the program, Connor Preston, who I played with at Syracuse, works event advertising for Barstool. So he was in town. It was really good to catch up with him, get some behind the scenes access for the Barstool stuff. But it was a zoo. The bar crawl was from six to eight and we got there. I want to say three o'clock and we just camped out there for a while and it was fun to see. I got to see a lot of people, you know, who I haven't seen in a long time out at the bars and all that just to kind of see Dave Portnoy for two seconds uh, was thinking about like, I have, I don't know, do I like carry a hockey house pod hat with me and try to give them one or something like that? I mean, it, it was an absolute zoo. So we didn't stick around too much longer after he showed up. Uh, the next day we did our inaugural Syracuse hockey soap hockey tournament. Uh, we took a page out of the Fairfield Boys playbook. Uh, we're looking to do it as a fundraiser next year. Wanted to make sure that we did it on our own first to see how it went. So that was really fun. I know as a guy who's seen the videos on the internet, I was like, my ACL is gone if I play this. And I was a little worried going into it, but wanted to be a team player and playing it. And I had a blast. It was so much fun. Shout out to the guys on our team, Tony Larkin and Alex Oaks for putting that together. We were out there for probably four hours playing soap hockey and tore up plenty of the grass. It made for a really fun day and then on Sunday afternoon we celebrated the end of the season with the Syracuse Hockey Banquet um, at the Incomplete which was a really nice way to to kind of 
put a bow on everything. Our coaching staff got all the seniors framed jerseys, which was really cool. We don't have nameplates, or at least we didn't have nameplates on the jerseys in my time, but the the jerseys we got framed have nameplates. So that's a sign of the times changing here in Cuse. And a, a really special, probably the best gift I got was from our faculty advisor. He um, said some very kind words about me and then presented me with a gift, told me it was a toothpick holder. Sure enough, I open up the box and it is a, a flask that says Mackenzie Murphy, Syracuse hockey captain with a set of shot glasses. So really, really furta move. I, I hate to say that it sounds cheesy, but definitely a furta move from the faculty advisor, uh, Seth Gittner. He's a sled hockey player. I know we shared some pictures earlier in the year that we, we played a sled hockey game against his team, the Central New York Flyers. And it was a, it was a really cool opportunity to get to thank him and the other behind the scenes staff. It was, I mean, Herm, Herm was there. Herm was pretty small. It was just the team, the operations staff and our faculty advisor. Overall, it, it was a fun event. The boys are wrapping up the skill sessions this week too. And I haven't, haven't been to any of those, but my gear is legitimately collecting dust in the basement. I went down there for soap hockey. I wanted to make sure I had a towel because I figured I, I'd be covered in soap. And I went to my hockey bag where I knew there was a clean towel, legit dust on my bag. Like I felt like the, in the movies where they like blow the dust off the book covers, that was me unzipping my hockey bag so i'm gonna try to get one more skate in this week one last ride with the fellas but really fun weekend and just trying as best as i can to get the schoolwork done because there's a lot of fun days ahead before graduation comes that was a lot i feel like i normally don't go that that in depth into the weekends in syracuse but there's there's plenty of action last week and uh i'll I'll wrap it up the end but plenty of action this upcoming weekend as well the lead this week is aau college hockey they're they're making the headlines this is something that Collins and I found out about when we went down to Westchester. We looped in Herm about it. Uh, it's been in talks for a while, but AAU College Hockey is adding a Division One level. Um, for those of you listening who still can't really figure out what, what AAU College Hockey is, it's basically, remember, the CHF started their own league, the Collegiate Hockey Federation, peating league with the ACHA. When they first started it, they had a Division Two. They then added a Division Three. For this last season, they had Division Two and Division Three, and everyone goes, well, why? Why wouldn't you just call them Division One, Division Two? Well, the plan all along was to add a division one level and in a tweet that they sent out the other day they said we are excited to share more details along with a complete list of member teams being invited to take part in our aau division one inaugural season as additional information becomes available this offseason so collins you remember there was some talk at the national tournament about who what teams would be joining it sounded like the criteria was going to be you know how competitive is a team how well is their program run are they active on social media? Do they have a good broadcast? They, it was really cool to talk to them about it because they were going to take in everything into consideration, not just the level of play and how competitive a team is, but how seriously is their program about elevating club hockey as a whole. And uh, so it'll be interesting to see over the offseason, not only what teams get invited, but which teams ultimately accept that invitation to play at the Division One level. Collins, I'll throw it over to you. First thoughts on this. I know it's not a huge surprise because we kind of, they looped us in a while ago. Exciting news for AAU college hockey. It definitely is. It's, uh, it's a really cool opportunity that AAU has and I am actually just looking at the picture now that the graph that's my picture (laughs) I didn't even notice that thanks for the photo cred I guess get that on gondola (laughs) 
yeah, I'm getting that on Gondola for sure. It's a, it's a huge opportunity for AIU and I think it will provide them the opportunity to really start competing a lot more with ACHA. And hopefully with this, we see some AAU teams really start to grow and kind of reach that, you know, higher ACHA D1 level. And we see maybe, you know, some cross league games between some D1 ACHA, some D1 AAU. It's, it's definitely a, pr- a pretty cool opportunity and uh, I cannot wait to see uh, what happens. One of the criteria they did mention was if the team has matching helmets, matching pants and matching gloves. I think Murph kind of covered that. Yeah, it's it's worth it's worth bringing up because Scott Solomon told me one of the first things he did when he was named executive director of CHF, you know, now AAU college hockey, but he couldn't stand the fact that he was looking at the national championship picture and Babson looks like a high school all-star team because they got yellow helmets, red helmets, white helmets. I don't know. It's the same vision that we have when we're doing the photo spotlight, when we're creating content, we're always trying to put the best look of the leagues forward because we're trying to legitimize club hockey. And we don't do that when we feature teams that have the mismatching helmets or in that stuff. And it seems silly, but I think it's a great thing. It's it's if you're trying to put out that this is a legit level of hockey, which it is, it's not going to help your cause when teams don't have mismatching gear or you got goalies wearing practice jerseys in games. I know we see that, but I, I think it's good. It, it, and it's, it's good. Like I mentioned, they're doing everything they can to make sure the teams that are being elevated to the division one level are, are looking the part Herm from a media side of things especially a broadcast what are your thoughts on this presentation 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 I cannot echo what you guys are saying enough whether it's conscious or subconscious what you see affects your perception of the league that helmet point is spot on in terms of those conversations that we had internally. Murph, you're spot on about the photo spotlight as well. Yeah, there's a solid photo, but yeah, there's also a red helmet and a blue helmet and a purple helmet in this picture. And maybe it has to wait for another week or something like that. As long as it looks solid and everything is well put together, then they're going to be putting their best foot forward. AAU college hockey has a real opportunity to make a solid first impression with their version of division one and that's important at this point for a league that is already struggling with perception and brand identity they've got to get this right not only that one thing that i'm going to keep an eye on are we going to see any acha teams jump ship here with this new division one something to watch out for because i think geographically maybe some of these teams in the new york area or that Long Island area where, where the Empire and the UNYCHL are? Are they thinking, hey, if we're ACHA D2, do we make the jump to AAU Division One? We already saw it the other day. Uh, Rutgers, their Division Two team announced that they're jumping to AAU College Hockey, and I believe they're going to be Division Two AAU. But they released a statement just saying, hey, travel is going to be a little easier we're going to have lower dues, and this is why we are, are making the switch to AAU college hockey. So something I think to keep an eye on, and I don't want to be spreading ru- rumors around. I'm curious if they're going to pull up teams from Division Two and Division Three, or if we see any ACHA teams make the switch. Uh, so just kind of building off a point that was said earlier, after kind of letting it marinate in my mind a little bit, you know, was thinking like having dealt with this before, running a broadcast, making sure not only have the money for it, finding the staff to do it, just all of the stuff that comes with it is so intensive. This is a pretty big undertaking. And for that to be a potentially a requirement, I'm not sure 100% if this is going to be a requirement, is asking a lot, I think. I 
agree with the helmets. I agree with matching uniforms. I agree with presentation and making sure that everybody looks good. But that's a lot, especially, you know, in a first year of the division, you're asking a lot of these programs that meet all the other requirements and are good teams looking to make the jump to D1, but might not necessarily have the funds from the school to start a broadcast operation or have the money from donors to start a broadcast operation. There's a lot of work that goes into it. It's time intensive. It's expensive. You need to find volunteers to do it, particularly students for, you know, color and play by play commentary. It's a lot of work. So I don't know what the deal on that is going to be. But I in my opinion, that's a little bit too much to ask for at this stage. Do they specify what requirements for the broadcast it needs to be if it's just a broadcast or specific individuals when it comes to it? Because I, I have a I have a hot take on this. Well, no, I I want to backtrack, and this was just this is just conversations with with the folks at at AAU, right? They put out the statement. They are inviting teams to join Division One AAU. There is going to be a list, and it sounds like this list is going to be published for all of us to look at. For my understanding, was that they were going to consider all of these factors when inviting these teams to join Division One. You know, I would imagine if you are a very good team, you look the part, you have good structure, you have a good coaching staff, but maybe you don't have the broadcast. I'm sure they're going to find a way to make that work. But maybe if you're one of those teams, maybe you look the part, maybe you got the skill, but there's no structure and there's no broadcast. Maybe those are factors that are are tipping the scale when they're going to say, hey, you might be better off in Division Two. So where does this put Binghamton in the conversation. The reigning national champs, no head coach. Again, I every time I mention they don't have a head coach, I always, if they're listening, this is not a slight to you guys. It's an amazing feat, and I absolutely am here for it. But it, it is an interesting point of conversation. And I think the AAU loves Binghamton. It is a textbook example of what can happen when you let students take charge of their college experience and their college hockey careers. It is like what non-varsity college hockey is all about. So I would think Binghamton as the reigning champs, they've been to both national championships that they would get the move, move to D one and talking with Scott, it sounds like Binghamton is going to keep their affiliation with AAU while this whole NCAA thing is happening in the background too. They're going to say two separate entities, but One thing that I think is worth bringing up, a team like Niagara, who finished in the top four of AAU Division II, they made it to the Final Four, lost to a very good Fairfield team. They have the facilities to go Division I at AAU. You know, Dwyer is a great rink. But what does that look like when you have Division I ACHA and Division I AAU playing in the same building? We saw a little bit of it where teams were trying to use their lower team as a minor league team, but if... You have now two teams at this Division One level. I, I want to keep an eye out for stuff like that. And Niagara is the one that comes to mind for me. But I, are there any other schools where we might see something like this? Liberty, potentially. It's kind of weird to think that Niagara is going to have, if you count women's as well, yeah, they're going to have three D1 teams playing under the same barn. And that's going to be really confusing on social trying to tag either D1 ACHA Niagara or D1 AAU Niagara. Shout out to the teams on social media who have changed their name. For instance, Niagara AAU Hockey makes it easier to tag. Definitely uh, something to keep an eye out for in the offseason. Also keeping an eye out on which conferences 
within AAU add Division One because I would assume if South Carolina or Georgia and those guys go Division One, then College Hockey South is going to have to bring you know at least a conference full of teams, and and so that that'll be something to watch out for. But moving along, I can't believe I missed this in last week's notes. Uh, New Jersey's for App State. Want to give a shout out to the boys down in Boone. I say the boys of Boone because in the inside collar of these jerseys from Jog Athletics, it says boys from Boone in the inside collar. Pretty cool touch. They've got the official App State logo on the shoulder, the North Carolina flag on the other shoulder. We kind of have this at Syracuse, but I call it the college hockey look when you have the school name arched and then the number underneath. I think it is a clean look for the Mountaineers. They're adding the white helmets, which look really good. We got some unbelievable fishbowl hang on these boys in the photo shoot. Unbelievable job. I I love the jerseys. I think it pairs well with that gold jersey they have that says Mountaineers and script. But Collins is a guy who's done some photo shoots before. What are your thoughts on the new App State jerseys? I love it. Can we get these guys to play Michigan? Uh, I would love to see an App State upset over Michigan. I think that would be be incredible. I, I love the look. The big thing for me, though, is the collar and I don't mean the inside of the collar I love the two-tone collar I feel like not a lot of teams utilize that and it's a really really good look for those who, who can't see the picture and you know know what I'm don't know what I'm talking about I think the abs do it right where it's yeah half color for the first half and then on the back it's it's black it's a great look you also mentioned the college hockey look I think that is one of my favorite styles of jersey and I hope to bring it to Villanova next year with our third jerseys. Oh, a little bit of a teaser there. Herm, I didn't mean to disrespect you by throwing it to Collins first that he has experience with the jersey photo shoots. Pretty good look. It looks like they were doing this. I mean, for Syracuse, we did it at sun up. By the photo shoot pictures, it looks like it's sun down, but they came out great. Photos look phenomenal. This is going to be the jersey that the App State boys 30 years from now are going to emulate as a throwback jersey. It already feels like it. It's one of those things that you can identify as a classic well ahead of time. I just love like the App State Athletic Department. Their logos just look vintage. Like, And then they got the Mountaineer smoking the pipe on the shells too. When you have a university that one lets you use their branding, the jerseys automatically look 10 times better. And it's just a, a clean look. Looking at the front of the jersey, it almost looks like a team that like can't use their logo. But no, they're just going with the college hockey. They got the logos on the shoulder. I think it's an unbelievable look. I know I sent you guys the link, but App State revealed the jerseys to Luke Combs' song, Beer Never Broke My Heart, which if you're an App State fan, they go nuts for Luke Combs. I believe that's where he went to school. I'll have to double check that. In the meantime, I think we have a top five seed here if we do Jersey Madness again this year, potentially potentially it's early Herm Herm is shaking his head it's early I'm biased because I love the App State boys they sent me a free Sally hockey hat with the Mountaineer smoking the pipe playing hockey I mean they're a top five seed in my book I'll agree with you that Luke Combs did go to App State I, I wasn't crazy for thinking that but the the jersey release video I know and and good thing they didn't but the song beer never broke my heart. And then them walking out of the jerseys. Like I would have loved to have just seen like dumping beers through the fishbowl in slow motion to that song. I think would have been great. Maybe in another life. We, we see that from the app state boys. Full on stone cold style. 
Yep. Yep. That's exactly what I'm looking for. If we were talking like best places to do an outdoor game in club hockey, that would be the perfect backdrop. It feels like once a month, somebody posts the photo, like best scene in college football, or they got the baseball field with the foliage in the background, but that would be a really cool place for an outdoor game. I don't know if they have any minor league teams near there that would maybe put it an ice sheet down, but wanted to give the boys from Boone a shout out. Another interesting development here. We got a DM about this one today. Had you guys heard about this? The NEHL stands for the Northeast Hockey League. They have announced 20 teams for their inaugural season, 10 teams from the Midwest, 10 from the Northeast. It's going to start in the fall of 2023. It's single A semi-pro hockey. They actually said in the article, they mentioned that they are specifically looking for ACHA players. Tryouts are open for each team with any player interested can register to play. The NEHL specifically targets players from the ACHA and lower junior levels. We recommend players have at least played midget A or high school to try out. Only 15 players and two goalies will dress for each contest. Um, so this is a little less than a fed roster. Beginning in June, each team will have 12 exhibitions in split squad format. Numerous business owners have been invited out. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the 20 cities are going to be, but teams will sign 36 skaters and four goaltenders for the summer with teams being cut down to 25 and three goaltenders for the regular season. So 25 skaters and only 15 are going to dress. This is, this is wild. But the DM we got was like, Hey, they're, they're creating the semi pro hockey league for ACHA players. I have questions. Yeah. <laughs> I got lots of questions. Um, I, I also kept doing some digging on the website that one, I would highly recommend that Optimex take a swing at because e yikes. More interestingly is the fact that they're saying that they want to potentially move franchises two years into existence if you guys are seeing that. Well, I just clicked on the teams portion of the website yeah, and looking at future markets. Do you want to you read that quote? After one, after our successful inaugural campaign, the ENEHL plans to double in size, adding a completely separate 20-team circuit in Western U.S. We do not plan on working with existing semi-pro teams out West, but rather build teams. So this is similar. It sounds similar to... You got to read You got to keep reading because the Southeast is even better. The Southeastern United States is experiencing a massive hockey boom in the NEHL, wants to be a part of it, and we believe we can make a move southward in our coming years. Our goal is to take two underperforming teams from each from the Eastern Conference and move them southward and have them play a region-heavy schedule and allow our northern teams a chance in the dead of winter to warm up and enjoy sunshine. Specifically, we are interested in Space Coast, Miami, Tampa, Atlanta, and Nashville. You know what this feels like? This feels like somebody's senior capstone project. They're inventing a hockey league. And they were just like, maybe the professor won't question. It's like, where is this in, in three years? What's your business model? So they have this yeah team directory, more info coming soon. Do you guys know the league out West? It is. Hmm. I want to find the name of it. I just want to make sure we're not getting pranked at this point, honestly. Yeah, that would be bad. I hope. If we're getting pranked, this will go down in hockey house history as one of the funniest moments ever. The league I'm trying to think of is the league that the Vale Yeti play in. It's the Mountain West Hockey League. It's senior A hockey. They have a team in like every ski town out west. There's like a team in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. There's a team in Vail. It sounds like this is like the Northeast answer to this because there are a lot of ACHA players that play in this league. Yep, Reno... 
Fort Worth, Stockton. Well, I guess those aren't ski towns, but this is just wild in my opinion. To me, not going to lie, one with the expansion thing, I don't think guys are going to be that dedicated to single A semi pro hockey uh, to up and move to the south, just uproot their lives. It's, it's pay to play, too. This is glorified men's league. Let's transition to something that's not glorified men's league and give some stick taps to the guys in the coast. I'm sure there's more ACHA guys playing in the coast right now. Wanted to give a shout out to former Lindenwood ACHA guys who signed contracts in the ECHL over a month ago. They're actually playing in the first round of the Kelly Cup playoffs. Andy Willis is with the Fort Wayne Comets. They are taking on the Cincinnati Cyclones. His teammate, Ryan Finnegan, he signed with the Reading Royals. They are playing a first-round matchup against the Maine Mariners. It was really cool to see this, not only because it's Lindenwood, but I expected when I EP'd these guys, it was going to be like they played one year of ACHA at Lindenwood, one year of NCAA, and then they went to the coast. But I believe Andy Willis had, I think, three years at, at Lindenwood and then Ryan Finnegan played all four years ACHA came back for a fifth year NCAA and then he signed in the coast so that was really cool while we were on the the topic of ACHA guys in the coast I want to give an update on former Liberty star Quinn Ryan he had another solid year in the ECHL he started out with the Utah Grizzlies he spent this year with the Worcester Railers scoring 15 goals and tallying 25 assists in 49 games played the Railers did miss the playoffs on the last day of the season so no Kelly Cup action for Mr. Ryan but pretty cool to see former ACHA guys playing in basically double a pro hockey Herm I know there's a lot of Bobcats playing pro hockey right now but any any former bobbies that you know of that made the jump to the coast i'm trying to think about it i think the highest level might have been sp if i'm correct and and the bobcats have a couple of guys in the sp right now right yeah i believe so i'd have to take a look at who's active right now but it fluctuates from year to year yeah i know brendan pepe is in the sphl right now playing for the roanoke rail yard dogs they're in the playoffs of course fitzy and the, the Adrian boys who are in Binghamton, they swept Watertown this past weekend. They are going to take on the Danbury Hattricks this weekend. Uh, I'm going to see if I can maybe make it to one of those games. But uh, really cool to see former ACHA guys tearing up in the pros, especially in the playoffs. Another group of guys tearing it up. Uh, we want to give a shout out to the boys on the Mexican national team. They competed in the double IHF Division Two Group B. Uh, We had former Jamestown player Tyler Chavez. We had from Lynn University, Eduardo Valencia. From Robert Morris' Division I ACHA team, Alejandro Apud. And then we had UTampa, Alexander Valencia. And then in goal was Utah Division I goalie Marcelo Diantunia. So pretty cool from the Mexico boys. The jerseys looked sweet and the and the photos were great. Herm, I just saw you adding in the notes the Greek national team, I believe. Are they playing in a tournament over the summer? There's going to be a Greek heritage team at the 2023 America Latam Cup. I know they've been signing a lot of ACHA and AAU guys. I know there's a couple of Zegras's on the that Greek team um, in a relation to Trevor Zegras, which I guess brings us to our next point. Want to give stick taps to our guy Trevor Zegras for you know not a big 
big deal commenting on one of the hockey house posts this week posted the clip of a kid in U Tampa giving a dorm tour and talking about playing NHL we got a little Riz comment from Mr. Zegers himself so I mean speaking of, of U Tampa and having Riz Collins this interview with the boys from U of A I mean they are just living the life down there playing college hockey and it, it was awesome to talk to them and as always this interview is brought to you by OptumX Sports OptumX provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own websites we mentioned it before if you're starting fresh if you need a facelift go to OptumX. they have all that you need if your team needs a website they specialize in hockey teams specifically teams in the acha and aau college hockey they work with other club sports as well I know Collins mentioned earlier, especially if you're having a hard time finding student volunteers and somebody on the team has to take care of the website, OptumX is the perfect thing for you. They will handle it all. They know how to use the URLs and you know all the codes. You can sell tickets, sell jerseys. You can register your team. Now is the time to take advantage of this during the offseason. So head to OptumXSports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod to learn more that brings us to this week's guests brody selman and jesse lowell from the university of arizona fresh off their gold medal with team usa at the world cup of university hockey pleased to be joined by two members of usa's gold medal winning team at the 2022 maccabi games and current members of the university of arizona's division one acha team fresh off their gold medal with team usa at the world cup of university hockey senior captain jesse lowell and sophomore assistant captain Brody Selman. Boys, welcome to the Hockey House Pod. Thanks for having us, fellas. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Got a laundry list of achievements in the last year for you boys. Brody, I'll start off with you. What's it like being back in the States after a week in Romania? I mean, Jess can uh, attest to it too. We were uh, we were kind of drooling to get back. All the boys were sending us videos of the 80 degree, 90 degree weather. They're all tanning, but Romania was a great experience and we're glad that we got the opportunity to do it. Jess, what about you? Is it good to be back in the States? Yeah, absolutely. You know, similar to what Brody said, it was a nice experience for us to get out there, but um, been itching to get back to Tucson and just kind of have fun with the boys and um, enjoy the off season a little bit. What was it like in terms of schoolwork? Did you have to explain to your professors like what you were doing and how that worked? Did the school help you guys out at all? What what was that like? The ACHA gave us this nice long form that kind of said what we were doing and where we were going and kind of do what they can to excuse us from class. I'm lucky I'm online fully, so um, I could do all my stuff uh, asynchronously and I was able to just do all my homework online whenever I needed to. So that was pretty easy for me. Yeah, I'm a little different than Jess. I got a couple in-person classes. So for me, it was a little different just kind of going up to my professors, explaining the situation. But most of my professors, not all of them, were super encouraging and honestly happy for the opportunity that I got. Jess, is that just because uh, you're a senior, you get all the online classes and you, you get to opt out of those those in person? I'm in like two classes right now, just finishing up my undergrad. So the, the required classes I need to take were only offered online. So I was just like, you know what, I might as well just jump into these and, you know, kind of just focus on hockey and, um, you know, have fun right now. How, how tough are the online classes at a school like U of A when it's like 80 degrees out and, and you're, you're just like itching to skip class because it's just on your laptop? Yeah, exactly. You know, I, I think you get that at any school there's always distractions but um with me i mean it's as simple as if i don't do my schoolwork i can't play so i've been able to buckle down and get my work done to make sure i can um, enjoy the weather while i can let's kind of get into how you both ended up at u of a neither one of you really from from the area jesse we'll throw it over to you first like talk about growing up 
where did you play hockey? How did you find out about Arizona and what led you to Tucson? Yeah, so I grew up in Chicago, um, played AAA growing up. It's kind of a suitcase. I played almost everywhere in Chicago except the Chicago Fury. I finished my career out with Chicago Mission, and then I went over to uh, the NCDC and played with the New Jersey Rockets. Did a year there, and I was at a bit of a crossroads. Didn't know if I wanted to, you know, do another year of junior and kind of age out and then hopefully see where that went. My brother played at U of A from uh, 2009, 2013. So I was here all the time growing up. And I mean, the atmosphere when he played was absolutely insane. They're packing our rink, 9,000 people against ASU and stuff. So um, after my Rockets year, I came out here for a visit and I was just like, I mean, this is a no brainer. The rest is history. So now was that pre Tucson Roadrunners? Were they the main show in town when your brother was there? Yeah, they were the only show in town. And um, it was the original coach that coached the team in the 80s all the way up till uh, 2011. And I don't know what formula he had, but man, it worked. I mean, our rink probably holds 10,000 people and almost every game they were packing that place with 10,000. I've seen some pictures and it's it's absolutely insane, man. That, that's crazy. I see Elite Prospects tells me you had one game in the Nall. Was that like a, a last minute call up? Kind of a last minute call up. Yeah, I played for Janesville in the NA. Yeah, I think they just needed a guy and um, I went to their camp this summer prior. You know, nothing, nothing ever came of that. Brody, looking at Elite Prospects, it looks like you guys just missed each other with the Rockets on in the NCDC. Did you guys know each other before you uh, you became teammates? No, we we didn't know each other. Uh, I mean, we played for the same coach, Jason Franzone. When I told him I was kind of going to Arizona, he he sent me his number and we connected right away. And so you grew up in Jersey, right? What was that like? I, I know you mentioned that you got to play with some of your siblings and your cousins playing high school hockey in Jersey. Well, walk us through that experience. Yeah, I mean, I kind of uh, got to watch my older brother go through it all. He played at Michigan, signed with the St. Louis Blues after, after college. And uh, I grew up playing with my twin brother. Uh, somehow he decided to be a goalie. He was a great goalie. And the, some of the best memories I have of just playing Jersey hockey was high school hockey. I get to play with my twin, my little brother my cousins and best friends growing up. So that was just an amazing experience. And we still talk about those memories today. Did you make any uh, deep playoff runs in the New Jersey high school playoffs? My freshman year, we went to the semis. It was honestly an amazing experience. We uh, we played at um, a pretty decent bowl. It was men in arena. It was pretty packed. So it was like my first crowd experience. I just remember coming out of the tunnel and seeing, you know, a thousand kids. And I was like, wow, this is pretty big time. And now flash forward to now in college, we come out of the tunnel. There's 2,000, 3,000 fans. So it's even better. So you mentioned men in arena. I'm not from Jersey. We got a bunch of guys from Jersey here on the team at Villanova. But every time I think of North Jersey, I think of this certain rink. And I want to ask both of you on your opinions on this. What rink in New Jersey has the best snack bar by far? <laughs> That's a good one. I mean, I got to stay loyal to, loyal to the rink I grew up in. I'd say the ice vault in Wayne, New Jersey. I'd get dropped off at school and immediately go to the go to the uh, snack bar. My go-to is a chicken teriyaki rice bowl. The rice bowls are pretty good. I, I had one last time we were up there playing uh, Willie P. The bacon, egg, and cheese is pretty good, too. What about you, Jesse? Although I was there for about a year, honestly, I was only at um, BSA where the Rockets played and then Icefald and Wayne where the Hitmen played. So I don't know if I could really answer this question, but um, I didn't have any problem with either snack bar. I don't think I ever got out to trying uh, the snack bar at the Icefald, but I definitely had a few uh, few times at uh, BSA for sure. Brody, you mentioned a, a funny story when you were very young. Seems like hockey was kind of in your bloodlines from the beginning. Want to talk us through uh, how you're connected with Billy Guerin? My dad and him were friendly when he was on the Devils, and my twin and I were born uh, premature, almost three months premature, and Billy's just a great guy. We needed blood, and our blood types matched up, so we donated blood to Ryan and I. In the NICU, we had hockey t hockey sticks taped on our incubators. 
devil's jerseys all over. So we kind of grew up into hockey and we were, you know, I think that's what we wanted to do right away. Is that surreal? Like when you turn on the TV and they're, they're showing him up in the press box right now during the playoffs, watching the Minnesota wild, just knowing like how good of a guy he really is. Yeah. It's awesome. My twin, my twin and I text him a lot and uh, you know, my twin will chirp him here and there and he gets right back to us. He's just a great guy. Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, just listening to his interview on chicklets, he's talking everything from star Wars to hockey and he just seems like an unbelievable guy. Yeah. He's the best. There was one game, uh, they played the Penguins. This was when Billy was on the Penguins, and um, we go downstairs, and and Sid must have played a bad game, and uh, he's like, boys, you want to meet Sid? And we're, you know, young Brody and Ryan were like, yeah, we'd love to, and uh, Sid kept walking to the bus and Billy was like Sid kept walking Sid he finally turns around and we got to meet him so that just speaks to the character and the voice he had in any locker room Jesse go back over to you walk us through your your freshman year in Tucson what what was your welcome to the ACHA moment I, I know you mentioned that you got to see your brother play down there but was there anything that maybe caught your eye freshman year that you didn't expect my welcome moment just being in, in Tucson was definitely our, our first practice. I'm sure as most ACHA knows, it's kind of tough for us to get ice down here sometimes. So my freshman year, we had a tryout up in Phoenix. So we had three tryouts up in Phoenix. And then a couple of weeks later, we were um, lucky enough to get the ice back at the TCC. So just kind of, you know, stepping out there for that first skate and skating around and looking at the full bowl is just super sweet. And that following Thursday, we put against Colorado. And that was obviously a, a cool experience. We had like Thirsty Thursday back then. We don't do it anymore, but it was dollar beer night on Thursdays. And I mean, it was just easy for us to get more fans on those nights, especially on a Thursday. Not that many people wanted to go out. That was pretty cool playing Colorado that first night on a Thirsty Thursday and just, you know, a ton of fans there and just getting that whole ACHA experience. For those people listening that don't know, like how far of a trip is it from Tucson to Phoenix? Depending on where you're going, it's it's about an hour and a half. If you're get, if you're getting north up into Scottsdale, it's about two hours. Closest rink's up in Chandler, and that's about an hour and a half, hour 45. Right, and so the, the TCC is the only rink in town. I, I think a lot of people, I, I think people know it's kind of a struggle in Arizona for ice right now, but I mean, it's unbelievable considering the only rink in town seats, what, 10,000 people? Yep, it's it's absolutely crazy. Um, there used to be a rank, uh, nothing crazy, just a classic like public rank, but uh, it closed down in around 2005, I think. But um, obviously with, with the new sheet coming in, there's going to be three sheets in the new plex. So that's going to be great for Tucson, just growing hockey down here. Brody, what was your introduction to U of A hockey? You're welcome to the ACHA moment. Yeah, I'd say my first weekend, I, we played Colorado State. I think just walking out f- for that first time, taking warm-ups, being in the bowl, being in the TCC, nothing beats that rank. And then finally, just hearing the crowd after you score, we got the we got the goal chant after we score. The cl- the crowd's into it. It's just an unbelievable experience. What, what are they blasting after goals at the TCC? What's the goal song? It was our old fight song two years ago, and we, Jess and I switched it this year. I think it's the Boston Bruins goal song. Okay, and then what is is it PG with the fans chant after the goal? I'd say so. What are they giving to the What are they giving the opposing goalie? Most of the time, it's like, "Hey, goalie, you suck. It's all your fault." It's pretty PG. No, that's what you need in college hockey, though. I agree. Walk us through the ins and outs of playing in Arizona. You guys play in arguably the toughest conference in the ACHA. I'm, I'm an East Coast guy. I like to think that the Eshel out here with, you know, Stony Brook and the Delaware, and now we got Pitt and Niagara, but I mean, your conference down there is loaded. It feels like you guys are playing a top 25 matchup every weekend of the season. Obviously, there's the Cactus Cup with Arizona, but what are some other matchups that, that get pretty heated down there? I mean, you hit it on the head. It's, it's a really good conference, man. Ever since I was a freshman, just each team gets 
gets better. I mean, we added Utah last year, and I'd argue that they're a top 15 in the country. Um, and then you got Grand Canyon, who was, I think they finished around 21st. Both those teams are just, you know, they're hard on pucks, and, like, they're really tough to play against, especially in their barns. Utah uses their rink really well with being Olympic and then also being in the altitude. And then GCU's rink's just a whole nother experience. They get a bunch of fans. They got a loud goal horn. And, you know, like I said, they're really hard to play against. So I think in the past, we've always looked to try and have like a really good strength of schedule. But like, it's really easy for us now because we get all these automatically scheduled games and it's just fun playing against good teams every weekend. Brody, do you remember... you know, one of those teams in your league, UNLV, I think a lot of people have their eyes on them in the hockey world just because maybe they're in the glitz and glamour of Vegas. Do you remember your first trip out to Vegas to play UNLV? Yes, it was um, two years ago, October. It was actually early on in the season. I just remember taking the ice for warmups. Just they packed it right away for warmups. And, you know, they got their live DJ there. So I thought that was, hey, you know, we're, we're in Vegas. They got a live DJ in the penalty box going right now. But yeah, it was a great experience. Uh, it was a tough game. We I think we took the first game. We beat them the first night and then we lost them the second night. But yeah, I think just just beating a team like that in their own building is always special. Now, Jesse, you were you know, in October of that year, you were coming off of the COVID year where you guys didn't get to play. Was there any talk, you know, travel's tough down there, but was the school pretty lenient? Were you guys battling on whether you're going to play or not? Did you kind of know all along that there wasn't going to be a chance? It was pretty much said the entire year that it was going to be tough. Kept getting pushed back. At one point, it was like, let's say, I think we were in like October and they said, we hope to play January and start of the new year. And then January hit and they said, there's no way. And then um, I think like February hit and they're like, yeah, it's just not happening. So it was tough for me. I was at home in Chicago because we had no ice here. And I just, I couldn't sit with the fact of not skating and the chance that we were going to play. So I just kind of treated it like an extended off season. I was skating a couple days a week and still working out just in case we were going to have a shortened season. So, you know, it was a little bit taxing mentally to hear that after training for so long. But, um, you know, we're just so fortunate enough to play now, you know just really makes you appreciate hockey a little bit more. Yeah, and talking about appreciating that, I can only imagine that after a year like that one, to come out in the first home game against Arizona State must have been unbelievable. Yeah, it is. I mean, every home game against ASU is so fun, man. I mean, it just made me think about the question you asked earlier about the welcome to the ACHA. I think we played ASU like three weekends into my freshman year, and it's like the first scrum, it's like a light shove, and just the crowd erupts. And I'm like sitting on the bench, like looking behind me like, what is going on, man? Like I'm, I'm going from the NCDC to where it's just like parents at the, at the BSA, like we get no fans, you know? I mean, you step into that atmosphere and you're just you're shell-shocked you just can't believe it you know brody i'm sure you had seen videos it's it's hard to imagine them not showing you videos when you're on your recruiting visit of what it looks like when they play asu but did it live up to the hype it exceeded it honestly like videos you, you watch and you're like oh you know it looks cool and then once you get in there and you hear the roar of the crowd like jesse said any scrum any little play you make it's it's just heightened the the atmosphere creates just a great environment and now playing it at the tcc i mentioned it beforehand that u of a used to be the only show in town before the roadrunners came in you guys still have a full-scale locker room and a pretty pro setup walk us through what what kind of facilities you guys have there yeah we're, we're super lucky our coach works super hard i mean he's the hardest working guy i know i mean we don't have an assistant coach he does practically everything with um, our manager and the rest of our staff so when my brother was there 
the locker room was non-existent. It was the smallest thing I've ever seen. It was on the other side of the rink, like as big as a closet. So it's it's crazy when he walks, when he comes back to Tucson, he just sees what we have now. He's like, you guys are so lucky, but we got everything you need. You know, it's a nice big locker room with showers and stuff. In terms of working out, we kind of just, we use our rec center because um, the Roadrunners kind of have it locked down at the rink. You know, like I said, the Roadrunners are good to us too. They give us everything we need in terms of, you know, extra stuff. But like I said, I mean, you just can't complain. Our locker room's super nice. It's got all of our slogans and whatnot. Like I said, we're just fortunate enough to have what we have. Brody, Jesse just mentioned Coach Berman. Walk us through, like, what kind of coach is he, you know, behind the bench? Is, is he a player's coach? Is he more quiet and reserved on the bench? He's a player's coach, hands down. On the bench, I would say, you know, like he speaks when he needs to speak. He's probably the coach that, I mean, that's coached me that just is pretty even keel throughout a game. Doesn't get too high, doesn't get too low. He's just been the best coach I've had, not only behind the bench, but off the ice as well. Yeah, I, I remember watching him. I know he was bummed because of, of the result from the year, but I mean, he seeing him walk around the rink in Marlboro, just watching all the hockey, it seemed like he couldn't get enough of it in those in those following days. I mean, talk about this season. We didn't get the chance to watch you guys play in, in St. Louis last year. Tough draw against the Dearborn team that played you guys pretty good. But what was kind of the goal heading into this past season? Obviously, it wasn't the result we wanted last year. We we definitely hoped to beat Dearborn and go on to you know give our best shot at Lindenwood. I think the biggest thing is we just wanted to you know, kind of switch up the way things were. Um, me being an assistant captain year prior and then Brody coming in, it was kind of our team now, you know. We had a great captain prior to us in Anthony Cusinelli, and he taught me and Broads a lot, definitely about, you know, what it means to be a leader. I think it's just kind of what I said. We want to just kind of, you know, see how we can make the culture better and just, you know, bring in the right guys and not necessarily the best players. Try and just make Arizona hockey as best it could be. Brody, you pointed out you were named an assistant captain at, at the start of the year as a sophomore. How big of an honor is that? I think when most people look at college hockey teams, it's generally the captain is usually a senior. Maybe there's a couple of juniors that get to wear the A. What did it mean when, when you got named an assistant captain? It's probably one of the biggest honors I have. It's special. We got such a special group, but it's easy to lead this team. Everyone's a leader in their own way. And I have to give a lot of credit to the older guys. Um, the class before us, they were great leaders. Like Jess said, Anthony Cusinelli kind of showed us the ropes. But coming in this year, we had some stuff that we wanted to bring in and implement. And I think, honestly, it worked. And it's only going to get better. Rewinding to before this season started, um, you guys both had the opportunity to play in the Maccabi games, as, as we mentioned at the start of the show. We had Asher Motu on, it's, uh, you know, goalie for DePaul who played also from the Chicago area. He mentioned his experiences, but I'm curious, how did you guys get involved in that process of not only being selected for that team, uh, but deciding to go and play for that team? Uh, Jesse, I'll throw it over to you first. I want to take it back. I think it was like three years ago. It was my freshman year, actually. Um, one of our teammates, Duke Litwin, who actually played at Maccabi Canada, he was telling me about the Maccabi games uh, one day, and he was just like, you got to do it. It's the best experience ever. You'll have so much fun. I just looked into it, and I kind of followed along and saw there were deadlines, and I just I signed up on the website for the tryout. They gave me the information. I went to the tryout, and I was fortunate enough to make the team, and you know, the rest is history. Brody, what, what was your path like? Mine's a little different than uh, Jess. Actually, the coach for our team, Coach Gershon, was uh, trying to recruit me to Chatham University, and he was also the just named the head coach for the Maccabee team. So when he would call me, you know, he'd mostly talk about his school, and then one day he was like, hey, I actually just got named um, head coach for the Maccabee team. I know you're you're Jewish. He's like, I'd love for you to try out. I went to the tryout, and that's where I met Jess for the first time, and uh, it's been great since, so... That's unbelievable. So in preparation for the games over the summer, were there any, was there anything 
last season or was it just kind of was there just a training camp before you guys went to israel we had nothing prior we reported like july 2nd and we had like two days of skating i think we had like two two a days and then we just took off to israel the next day Brody, talk about like you just finished your first year in the acha what was the level of play like when you guys got on the ice or playing meaningful games in israel i'd say i mean it's pretty comparable i mean our team was really good we had a lot of d1 guys a couple guys who just signed pro right after um our top two lines were really good and obviously everyone could skate everyone could play but the competition was and uh you guys made it to the the gold medal game against canada you had a teammate on team canada correct yes Duke Litwin. Brody, you scored the first goal of the game, and have you ever scored a teddy bear toss goal before? No, I have not. First time. And what was that like in, in Israel? Pretty crazy considering the fan support there was with it being Canada and U.S. and the amount of teddy bears on the ice was pretty cool. It was pretty crazy, and I honestly, I didn't know that there was a teddy bear toss. I just remember scoring the goal and, you know, hugging my teammates. I look up, and next thing you know, it's just raining down stuffed animals. We're trying to not trip over them as we go to the bench, but it was super cool to just get that first one and help the team win. And Jesse, what, what do you remember kind of after that game? Um, it, it felt like Canada was the closest competition you guys had in that whole tournament. And then, you know, once the buzzer went off and what was like the camaraderie of that team and how, how good did it feel to win? Yeah, it was super cool. So in our religion, like Shabbat is the holy day. It starts Friday night at sundown and continues to Saturday night. They scheduled the championship game for Saturday night at 8 p.m. once the sun went down so that everyone could come, which I thought was super cool. I think there were probably like seven or 8,000 people there. Um, it was at like the professional Israeli basketball team's stadium and they just threw ice down but like you know once the buzzer went off we have like a video overhead of us all throwing our gloves up in the air um it's just such a cool video to look back on and you know you just get goosebumps every time you look at it and so you guys wrap that up and then how much longer until you guys found out about the world cup of university hockey because when i saw your names on the roster i was like oh they're, they're loading up on former gold medal winners to make a run here like they're, they're bringing in the veteran guys uh, fresh off the gold medal what was it early at the start of the season that it, came, it announced that they were going to do this do either of you remember when you first saw it yeah i think it was pretty early on in the year maybe like two months into our season yeah it was in november i remember we were at colorado state and now did you guys immediately reply did you did you talk it with each other did, like did you have teammates that applied for the team how did how did that process go about this was a a little different there there wasn't like a they didn't hold a tryout i think they had a couple coaches who were on like a board essentially obviously with the three coaches that were in charge of the team and i think they just went through the entire acha and picked the best roster they thought they could put together that's awesome that and like i said i was pumped to see you guys there and walk us through like this whole this whole process i know you guys flew into albany right and then you did what one one or two practices in albany before taking off for romania yeah we got into albany actually just flew into new jersey and we drove there there. And then we got on the ice twice. We scrimmaged Canada. And then the next day we got on a plane, flew to Munich, and then we flew to uh, Bucharest. And then it was a four hour, four and a half hour bus ride to Carta. Uh, now, you guys had played in the previous summer with visors, but how, how quickly did you ditch the cages and fish bowls for the visors this time around? In Boston, uh, we actually got our helmets and gloves. And as they're giving out our helmets, uh, he just looked at us and said visors and handed us our helmets. So it's pretty known we had to get those on. I got to admit, I didn't I didn't wear a visor in Israel. I was kind of being soft. A couple of our practices for training camp, guys were whipping like clap bumps from the point, like far down. And I was like, I'm not doing this. I did wear one in Romania and I'm glad I did because I don't really know why I was being so soft. I, I think wearing a visor is sick and just way better than wearing a cage. But you came back in one piece and the photos look great. So like that's that's what you get out of it. Yeah. exactly a little bit of a busted up nose but 
It's worth it. Collins and I followed along from here in the States trying to watch as many games. So I want to kind of throw it over to him and, and just pick your brains about what, what that experience was like. Yeah, so I wanted to ask you guys, following on social media and uh, just kind of seeing the um, – you know, the guys we had take over social. What was there to do in Cardiff? Was it was it just pretty much all hockey and that was about it? Did you guys have any downtime at all? Um, like, was there much to do there? It was literally like a prep school we got back in the States is the best way I would describe it. From what I gather from people over there, it's like the only hockey academy they have in the country. We were essentially in dorms um, with two to three guys in a room. Like right next to the dorm, like within walking distance was the rink. And then also right next door, that was like our, our dining hall, if you call it. It was pretty, you know, cut off to the rest of, uh, they called them villages, I think, over there. But there wasn't a whole lot to do around it. I think there was like a hotel next door that we can go and get coffee and stuff and also have other food. But um, it's just way different over there, man. Like there was a lot of farms next door and like we saw people getting um, transportation by horses. So it was just, it was a pretty humbling experience, pretty focused on hockey. And you know, that was it. Did they think you guys were celebrities over there? Like, did was there anybody asking for autographs? Like you were going to get drafted by the Sabres when you came back to the States? One of our players, Bucky, he had uh, these two, it was, might've been the semifinal game. They were waiting for him after the game and, you know, got pictures with him and went on to watch all the other games and were cheering him on. But yeah, I took selfies with him. And I, I think it was just an amazing experience. The crowd, it felt like it was like a soccer game, almost very passionate. The rink didn't hold a whole lot, probably a couple hundred, but it, it felt like you were playing in front of like 4,000 people. Yeah, I was going to say Poland brought like, uh, I don't know if it was like a family member, but like there was this 10 year old and he was just pounding on the drum the entire game. Uh, we didn't end up playing Poland, but we'd watch a couple of their games. And I swear for 60 minutes straight, this kid was just pounding this drum and the whole ring could hear it. And then Romania had like a cool band that they were just playing music all throughout. But the kid, the kid from Poland with the drum was definitely something I remember. Now, from back here in the States, we watched the Swede game and we were like, oh my gosh, they're just going to steamroll everybody like this. I was like, did we bring like too good of play? players for this tournament because i think you, you go over there and you want to get off to a good start did you guys think it was going to be a little easier than it ended up being after that first game or did you know that sweden was going to be one of the weaker teams i mean i honestly didn't um know what to expect going in you kind of going with no expectations and you kind of gear up for any game like it is once we popped a couple you know the game kind of took course we we put 11 up on them but i know we talked as a team that it's not going to be as easy as that and obviously the competition got tougher and tougher as it went on i don't want to be the rumor mill here but <laughs> i heard that sweden tried submitting like a couple rosters and they kept getting denied because the kids weren't university hockey players i don't really know what happened with that it surprises me that there's other countries with colleges that have developed hockey teams like us. So I remember looking at like Sweden's roster and a, most of their guys played like pro division three, which is like probably four or five leagues down from their top league. Definitely got better as it went on. I mean, like Hungary was a team full of like 03s, 04s. And I mean, they were good, man. I think we just kind of, we were a little bit stronger because we were a little bit older and a little bit used to more of that style of play. But I think every team was pretty good and everyone put up a fight. I was really impressed with Romania as well. When Canada lost to Romania, I was like, oh, all right, this isn't going to be like, like, it's not a guaranteed USA versus Canada in the final. Like, this is going to be a battle. I saw it kind of as like a trap game. Like, I thought they were going to roll Romania, honestly. Like, we like the opening ceremonies right before their game. So, Canada and Romania are lined up at the blue lines as if they're about to do the anthems. And, like, we're all sitting out there as well. And they had like a 20 minute speech going on. So, we all know how tough it is kind of just standing in your boots for that long. I can't imagine it was too easy. And then. I wasn't really expecting the fan turnout to be the way it was. I mean, like Broad said, a couple hundred. There was probably about a thousand capacity, and the place was packed for Romania. And obviously, everyone was supporting their team. And they were tough, man. Like 
they blocked shots. They were physical. Um, they had some decent skill. And you know, like I said, I was not expecting them to be the way they were. And a real tough game for Canada. I don't think they really expected it. Who are some uh, characters on the American team that you guys didn't know going into? Uh, I see you both smiling now. There, there had to have been. I mean, just based on Laker Aldridge's Instagram story, I knew there were some characters on that team. But who are some guys that looking back on it, you're going to remember for their antics in Romania? As soon as you said that, Laker popped right up in my head. I mean... He's a great guy, just always getting everyone laughing, keeping it loose. He, uh, he for sure made me laugh laugh a lot. All the guys were great. You go and you play against these guys a couple times throughout the year, and you kind of learn them more as a as a person, not a player. I know Pavs and I had had some beef throughout the year. You know, I would run him a couple times, share a couple trips back and forth. But you know, I think after this weekend, we're we're for sure friends, and I'm gonna keep in touch with him and and uh, Westy on on Dearborn. Great player. Always thought of him as just a player, but he's just a great kid. We were roommates, so. Overall, just all the guys were great. Laker was definitely the class clown. He's hilarious, man. He would do like our starting lineups every game and we'd all be dying laughing. And it's just, he's just such a funny kid, man. He brings so much energy. And honestly, you need that on a team like that. I really thought the coolest thing about our team was being all ACHA guys, man. It was so cool. I mean, comparing that to our team in Israel, we kind of were like majority NCAA D1, D3. And then there were a couple of us ACHA guys, but I think we jive so well just because we were all coming from that same background. And, you know, you guys know it too. We're always trying to prove ourselves and show that this league is a really good league and has a bunch of good hockey players so i think you know this team coming together there wasn't much ego because we all deal with the same stuff and constantly trying to prove ourselves to other teams and other leagues it's funny brody that you mentioned like getting into it with paths and, and then all of a sudden your teammates anybody chirping like the liberty guys like did the liberty guys have like nicer gear or, or anything like that were, were you guys commenting on Maybe who had the, the better ACHA treatment between the guys on the team? I mean, I know we were laughing with the Liberty guys. They got taken care of pretty well. I know most of their stuff. Uh, you know, they got free Bauer sticks. They got skates at a discount. They get all their equipment at a discount. So I had a good laugh with them about that stuff because that's not really how it flies over here at U of A. But, you know, it, it's cool picking their brain to, you know, kind of see what, what it's like behind the scenes for them at Liberty and at all the other schools too. Yeah, we would have. We, we're trying to reason with uh... – with Paul Hebert and Craig Barnett to get us on the trip next time around. We'll just throw a mic in the locker room and just that that'll be a whole episode. Just listening to you guys getting dressed there, but kind of walk us through the, the gold medal game with Canada. You mentioned that you played them in Albany. Was that like, did that prep you for the game or was that like, do you didn't even remember what happened in that scrimmage because it was so, you know, early on in, in the team's development? Yeah, I mean, I think most guys didn't skate after their season, so we were all shaking the rust off that first couple of days, and I think that first scrimmage, everyone was still just getting the feel for one another. No one really looked into it that much, and obviously the gold medal game, you're preparing a lot different for it. Um, watching film before, it was a great hockey game. Crowd was great. Canada put up a good game, but you know, obviously we prevailed, and it's something special to win a gold medal and, and wear a USA jersey on and I think just Jess and I will remember that for for the rest of our lives. You mentioned the dynamic of, of the team being all ACHA guys. What was it like watching the guys? Like, I know Adrian had guys on both sides. UNLV had guys on both sides. Like, you guys went through that at the Maccabi games, having a teammate on Canada, Duke. But what was the dynamic like on the ice? Was there, was there any tummy sticks? Was there chirping back and forth? What was that like uh, during the gold medal game? I was saying going into it, like, all those guys, like, we were all buddies, like, the entire yeah. week. And then it's like, we're gearing up for... For a USA Canada gold medal game and we're supposed to like essentially take these guys heads off it it was a really weird dynamic but you know I think as all hockey players know when the puck drops there's there's no friends out there and you know you could be friends after the game but you know in between the whistles we're trying to you know just focus on us and 
you know, if you're going to play physical, you're going to play physical, whether it's your buddy or not. But it was tough for me, and I, and I hadn't played with any of those guys, but I had just met them throughout the week, and I already felt like they were good buddies of mine. So Yeah, it's always tough. Like, even if, like, you if you talk to a guy during warm-ups, and then you got to go at, like, that's why I try, you try your best to avoid stuff like that because it's like, oh, well, now I don't want to run this guy because I feel like I just, you know, asked him how his pregame meal was, and now, now I got to go battle in the corners with him. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, Throughout the week, we're all like buddy buddy saying hi to them when we walk by. And then it's like the day of the game, and I see a, a kid on Canada that I would have said hi to yesterday. And we're both kind of just head down, not looking at each other. It's like, this is so weird, man. I think the worst part about it was our locker rooms were literally two feet away from each other. Like we were, we we're taping our sticks in the same area before the game. Pre-game snacks are in the same exact area. So I think that was the probably the the weirdest part of it all pre-game wise is like I'm taping my stick and you know, some kids using the same roll of tape I just put down. So I mean that. That was a little tough, uh, but obviously once we got on the ice, it was go time. Right, because you guys had the same team doctors and the same equipment guys. Like, were those were those guys watching the game from the penalty box? How did they do the the gold medal game? I think they chose the country they were from. I know our our EQ is from the states, so he was wearing his US jacket. I know the doctor is from Canada, so yeah, he's he's a great guy. Um, so I think they kind of divided at that, but obviously they were just happy that both these ACHA teams were in the championship. Awesome and. Brody, of course, congratulations for winning MVP. Uh, that's a great honor. What, what what was that like? Did you did you think maybe you were in consideration for it? I mean, I kind of just kept my head down and focused on on myself. But I mean, my line mates were unbelievable. West and, and Kramer this weekend, great playing with them. And obviously, I think an, an Olympic sheet, you, you have extra time, get to put the puck where you want it, and so that that for sure helped. And obviously, confidence goes uh, goes on as you play. So. It was just a great experience, and it was a great honor. Kramer is so good. I mean, we we had him on. I played against him when they came up to Syracuse, and he was doing the craziest stuff out there. He, like, gloved a puck, and, like, in my head, it looked completely like a hand pass, and I just turned to the ref afterwards, and the ref just shook his head. Like, no, he's just doing that on his own. Like, I I can't even imagine. Like, and – Westy too. We've posted many clips of him doing crazy stuff at UMD. So that's a lot of skill on one line. Yeah, it was great. It was a great time. Were you guys on the same plane back? With Canada, no. We we flew okay. separate. And, and then was there any celebrating out in Romania, or was it just kind of back to the bunks? I, I mean, they're a little. I like, had a couple with the guys, but other than that, uh, we, I mean, our bus left at the crack of dawn. So quick turnaround. Israel was definitely more of an experience going out. I'll tell you that. When I was prepping for this, I saw some videos from the Is- the locker room in Israel, and that looked a-, a little different than the photos I saw from Romania. I think we had to kind of keep it a little more PG with the ACHA opposed to the Maccabi games. I think we we're a little little more free to do what we wanted out there in Israel. So um, the Israel after winning the-, the gold was just unbelievable. We had a great night, but um, you know, a little similar to here. We just did what we could, had fun for a little bit, and then yeah, we we literally left the next morning. So like we didn't really sleep much because our game was like nine o'clock or something and then we were on a bus next morning at 5 a.m back to the states so shifting gears to to kind of wrap things up with more u of a talk jess are you coming back for a grad year yeah i'm doing another year my parents are fully in support so i'm I'm obviously super lucky to have that from them and i talked to my brother about it a lot and you just like play as long as you can and you know obviously in my opinion it's the best hockey experience i've ever had so i'm just trying to enjoy it while i can i got two years left of eligibility so i'm just trying to you know take as much as i can out here it's such a privilege to play at u of a and I just love every moment of it. Yeah, I mean, the the future looks very bright at U of A. Let's start things off. You mentioned the 
rink. The Mosaic Quarter Iceplex is going to have three sheets. One of them is going to have 3,000 seats. They're looking to add a Division II men's team in the ACHA and then add a women's team as well. You've seen firsthand the success that Arizona State has had with their NCAA Division I team. It's it's proving that college hockey can thrive in Arizona. Maybe the pro team hasn't had the same experiences with the Coyotes, but what is it like to be a hockey player at U of A right now with, with everything that's going on? I honestly think it's probably the best time to be here. We got the new rink coming. There's been a great buzz around our program recently. I mean, even walking to class, we have a pretty big school, but people kind of know you know you play hockey so that's a great great experience just you know the community knows you yeah the new rink's going to be awesome the pictures look great so we're we're excited to kind of just build that foundation for when that new rink is built and that that uh, first team gets to play out of there jess I'll, I'll throw it back to you how long did you guys know about this uh little exhibition game with the boys from tempe coming up next season did you guys because the news broke when you were over in romania but did you guys have word of it beforehand this has kind of been in the works for a couple of years we were hoping to do it last year and um things didn't end up working out but um it was always pretty solidified that we were going to do it this year it was actually funny when i was in romania my dad texted me the article and he's like did you know about this and i was like yeah surprise obviously we couldn't really say anything about it because we didn't want it to get out and we wanted to um you know approach it the right way and spread it when we could so we're super excited it's going to be a great experience we'll take our best shot i don't know how good that shot's going to be but you know like i said it's just going to be a good experience for us they're they're going to sell it out obviously with the arizona arizona state rivalry so we're just going to try and have fun and you know treat it like any other game it kind of feels like a taste of your own medicine because all these years the the asu guys have been going down to the tcc and you guys are packing the place because everybody knows it's asu versus u of a and it feels like they're returning the favor by having you guys come up and play them in tempe yeah i give them a lot of credit man like those bus rides are not easy before games when we go down to phoenix to play gcu or asu we go down friday play Friday night and then we'll bus back after the game Friday night and then do the same thing Saturday. So, I mean, you know, it's not easy having those bus legs. And I mean, I can't imagine having those bus legs and then coming into the TCC where there's 3000 people just yelling at you all game. It's, it's definitely, you know, something you don't experience too often. So I seriously give all the credit to ASU for giving us a shot and, you know, coming down to play competitive games with us. Your conference, the footprint of it is pretty wide. I mean, you got UCO in, in Oklahoma in there. You mentioned Utah, UNLV. Are you guys using a sleeper bus? Are you ever flying for these games? What, what's that grind like? This year, we've, we've uh, been fortunate. We got to fly. Um, we only bus to uh, UNLV, which is about six hours. The previous year, my freshman year, we, we mostly bust everywhere. My first uh, weekend, we played Utah, and it was, uh, I think, I guess, 14 hour bus ride. Uh, that was a fun experience. I mean, but the bus rides are great. I mean, all of us are used to them playing juniors and it's great to just bomb with the boys on the bus. Jesse, what's the longest bus ride you, you've seen in your time? Is it Utah? Central Oklahoma was upwards of 15 hours, man. Freshman year. Uh, that was like second weekend of the year. Two, you're getting off the bus there and they're right on top of you. My freshman year, we played three games every weekend. We would travel. We left Wednesday night, played in Oklahoma Thursday night fresh off the bus and then we played central o friday saturday but man bro that is just a tough thing to do oklahoma my freshman year was like a physical quick team and you're coming off a 15-hour bus ride like i think we ended up winning the game 1-0 but like i just don't know how we did that it was nice playing ucl with a little bit more rest they were a good team and I think we came out of the weekend two and one, but our freshman year team was good, man. We were experienced. Uh, we were older. It's just nuts driving that far and then playing in a hockey game like that. Not not even that, but you know, not having the NCAA tag, you're, you're not exactly excused from your classes on Monday morning when you get back either. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, 
to late bus ride Saturday night, you get in Sunday midday and cramming all your homework and then yeah, back to work Monday. So put on your real estate hat. What what are the boys living in in Tucson? I, I'm, we got pools outside the houses here. How how good are we living? Actually, Jess and I were just tanning, hopped on the uh, hopped on the podcast here, but uh, we had a couple guys tanning today. We're fortunate; we live in a, a compound, so we got four houses on one property, a pool on the uh, one side, a grill, a nice sitting area on the other side. So we're really fortunate, and honestly, it's it's brought us that much closer as a team. So my freshman year. Our seniors had the house that I live in now and junior year last year, I was looking into housing and I was like, you know what, that was a great house. Like, I wonder if it's available. It happened to be. And the owner called me up and he's like, hey, we have the other side of the fence. It's the same setup. If you guys want to find uh, seven more guys and, you know, lucky enough, we found seven more teammates and we got, oh uh, yeah, 14 of us. So, you know, like Brud said, I, I think it, it definitely has made us a lot closer. I mean, you can walk into any house and, you know, hang out with the boys and it's just great, man. It's so fun here, especially in the off season. We, we just really live the life. We're super fortunate and we definitely get a rap that, you know, it, hockey is definitely second year. We don't take it too seriously, but I think that's a huge misconception. Um, you know, we take it super seriously. We love every moment of it, but you know, the blessing of having the nice weather and just a big school to go to too as well. So we're super lucky out here. I mean, 14 guys in one compound is that does not get any. I mean, that actually just sounds like the Romania setup, but in Arizona. <laughs> yeah, it gets crazy at times. Is there like a shooting pad here? You guys got a net in the driveway or anything? No, we, sh- we should put one, though. We're, I mean, we're right across from a high school, so we don't want any slap shots going in there. So, <laughs> Do you guys have to drive to class or are you within walking distance of campus? In between, it depends. Some of the boys do. It, it's probably like 10 minutes, 15 minutes walk to campus, but I'm kind of lazy. I, I usually drive. All right. Well, hey, boys, we, we really appreciate you coming on. I normally wrap it up and say, like, what's your pitch for your insert school name here? But I feel like we've done nothing but just pump the tires of, of U of A for this whole episode. But I want to give you the chance to any any thank yous for, for people who may be listening who have kind of helped you to get to where you are. I'll throw it to you, Jesse, first. Oh, putting me on the spot here. Actually, when I walked inside, a couple of the boys were like, can I get a shout out? I shut them down, but I don't know. I'll be cliche. I, I always got to thank my family. They're always super supportive of me and everything that I do. So I'll just thank them. Broads, what about you? Yeah, I'd say so too. I mean, my family couldn't do this without them. And obviously just everything they do for, for us on and off the ice and everything they've sacrificed to get us to where we are. I appreciate my family so much and my siblings. They're the best and I love them. Are you both playing softball tonight or is it just you, Jess? Just me. Uh, Rose isn't the best softball player, if I'm being honest. I got cut. Right. I mean, is it the playoffs tonight? or? Oh yeah, we got the semis. We're actually playing... Uh, the team we beat in the championship last year, so I really got to bring the game here over in uh, over Jeez. in right right center here. So I got to catch some balls out there. We're we're just rubbing it in. Collins got eliminated from his intramural softball tournament a couple weeks ago, so it's a it's a sore <laughs> subject at the Hockey House Pod. We were literally just talking about it last week. Yeah, please. <laughs> yeah. One from it's one great. wildcat to another wildcat. There's like no in between with hockey players. They're either insanely athletic. Or just cannot throw a baseball. It's so funny. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree more. We'll let you guys go. Appreciate it uh, for you guys hopping on and kind of giving the inside scoop on University of Arizona hockey. Yeah, thanks so much for having us, fellas. We appreciate everything you guys are doing to support the SHA and you know grow the game in our league. Yeah, thank you guys. You guys do an amazing job. We appreciate it.
Once again, thank you to Broads and Jess for joining us this week. Must be nice for them to be back in the in the Arizona weather. Not that they didn't have any fun over in Romania. Unbelievable insights. Seems like the University of Arizona is doing it right when it comes to their ACHA Division One team. And, you know, the fact that they're going to add a women's team in the next couple of years, the new rink on campus, bringing in a Division Two team. I know I mentioned it. It's unfortunate that the pro hockey team in Arizona isn't doing as well, but it's good to see hockey growing in Arizona. And hopefully they can build off the success that Arizona has State has had in building a, a rink and elevating themselves to the NCAA level. I mean, talking about how great they have it down at U of A, I think it's no better time to ask the question. Talking about your first visit on campus and maybe some of the things that led you to deciding where you wanted to go. So, Collins, I'll throw it over to you. Your, what do you remember about your first tour at, at Villanova and what was the key selling point for you? I have a funny story about my tour at Villanova. So I live an hour and a half away from campus and I just drove up by myself, didn't go with my parents. And um, I ended up getting rizzed up by the tour guide. Don't remember who she was, what her deal was, but it was really weird. We were standing in a circle and she was asking everybody like what their potential majors were going to be. I was like, oh, business, probably marketing. One thing leads to another. Before we like begin the tour, she's like, by the end of the tour, I'm going to turn you into a comm major. And I'm a comm major now, so it must have worked. <laughs> but it was it was really weird. Very strange. And for those who didn't see, I did like little finger wag and then point. It was it was it was awkward. Um, so I just hung around in the back of the group and just tried to stay far away from her. The big thing for me, uh, the big selling point was the academics. That's, that's all I care about. Uh, when it came to picking a school. For the most part, obviously, the proximity to home is huge. The gorgeous campus. That was, I think, the biggest impression it left on me when I when I visited. For those who haven't been to Villanova and, and seen the church, seen the entire campus, it's it's incredible. Amazing bluestone buildings. It, it really feels like a college. I think I ended up making the right choice for myself. That's pretty much how I got here and kind of what led me here so Herm what about you what do you remember from your chore at, at OU what what stood out to you as a big selling point frequent listeners to the podcast have heard me t- tell this story a billion times at this point how much I fell in love with OU's campus from the moment I stepped foot on it beautiful beautiful day it was the first college I ever visited growing up in my area in in Westchester we weren't really on college campuses or anything like that so I had no idea what to expect and I I just looked around and I I knew I visited a whole bunch more places, but it had always stuck in my mind as like that destination where I needed to be. When you toured, was there ever any talk of, of, of hockey and, and maybe working with the team? I remember you saying you got there on day one and, and you you walked into Burr looking for a job. But did you know when you toured about the hockey team? I was supposed to tour and then go up to Columbus for a Rangers Blue Jackets game, go back and then go back to Columbus the next day for an OSU tour. The guy who was taking me around was like, we're pulling a wild card. I'm taking you to an OU hockey game instead. And that's exactly what he did. And I'm pretty sure it was an OU Iowa State game, rest in peace, and fell in love from the moment I was in Bird. That's awesome. Speaking of Iowa State, I I feel like we need like an Iowa State ticker. It's like days since we've heard from Iowa State. And, and just keep that on the clock all summer. Uh, I know we, we've gotten a couple of DMs asking if we know anything, and we really haven't heard anything. We saw they're alive on Twitter, though, a couple of weeks ago. But I told us at the banquet the other day. But my story of Syracuse was I came and I visited. Because of the hockey season, I could only come while I was home for Christmas break. And so that happened to be January. I want to say it was January 6th, but January 6th of 
2019 to be clear, not that January 6th, different January 6th, was in Syracuse. And uh, Jacob Padalino was from Skinny Atlas, which is about 40 minutes away. And he came and met me at the rink and uh, he showed me around. He did not show me the locker room because, you know, the locker room did not exist. I just remember him wearing his parka. I was like, I need one of these Nike jackets. Like, where where do I sign to get the Nike jacket? Considering how brutally cold it was, I just loved loved the campus and the idea that I could come play college hockey at, at a school like this, get a really good degree. It was, it was From that point, it was like, all right, if I get in, I'm coming here. So that was my experience with coming to Syracuse. And it, it was nice the other day to kind of re- tell that story to everyone at the banquet. But yeah, cl- closing thoughts for this week, Collins, what, what do you got for us? A, a little bit of baseball? A little bit of baseball. You know, hockey's over right now, at least in my mind, because the Capitals are out of the playoffs and, you know, ACHA is done for the most part, outside from ACHA news. Right now, the Orioles are the hottest team in baseball, in my opinion. I'm, I'm biased. I'm an O's fan. And after dealing with nearly seven years of less than mediocrity i'm glad to see this team is finally winning they're unfortunately lost to the Sox last night and uh ended the seven game win streak but they're eight and one in the past past nine or like yeah so eight and two in the past ten and i think this team is ready to do some damage adley rutschman austin hayes ryan mountcastle this team looks really good and for once my expectations are high and i think they're going to make the playoffs this year i'm calling it now I'm calling it now. We'll see. We'll see in September. Didn't they have a hot start like three years ago and do this exact same thing and they finished dead last in the AL East? It might have been two years ago, I want to say, because I remember seeing a TikTok at the time from one of the O's like season ticket account reps hyping up the team and then he fell off the face of the earth once that team went to shit. This team's different. This You have a generational talent in Adley Rutschman, you know, Gunnar Henderson, Grayson Rodriguez. You have so many top 100 prospects and you have Jackson Holiday, uh, who's in the um, in the pipeline right now. He just got moved up to single A Aberdeen. This team is going to be, but I don't think they're going to make any deep runs this year. I just think they may make the wild card, but we'll see. I've got a buddy of mine, Bradley Blumenthal, that I need to shout out right now because he's a Cowboys fan that you sound just like right now. Every year is the year for him. So I didn't think last year was the year until August at all. I I was there for Adley Rutschman's first game where he hit a stand-up triple, and I'm always going to remember that. For the past seven years, I've had no expectations for this team. With Chris Davis and the Angelos family, all the drama about them potentially moving to Nashville, I was kind of off on baseball and just kind of gave up. But now I, I don't think I'm a Cowboys fan in that sense where if, you know every year is our year. Um, I was like that for a while with the Capitals, but um, <laughs> I think this team is is, is going to be good. Collins, curious, going to put you on the spot. Who is the ACHA equivalent of the Baltimore Orioles? Ooh, that's an interesting question. I think we could we could run through the whole A at least. We should do an episode <laughs> like that, comparing professional sports teams to ACHA teams. I'm trying to think who's a young, talented team. The Baltimore Orioles feel like the teams at Nationals and Division One. I. I think it's like no team outside of the top 10 has ever won the national championship. You're saying they're a wild card team, so maybe they're like a Grand Valley State. Illinois State? I might go with Ooh, Illinois what? State. Illinois State. That could be a good one. I think, though, because of the youth, the Orioles only have one player over 30. I think it's Navy. The Maryland connection, too. The majority of those guys... 
did not play juniors. They're a young team. What about the structure of the Baltimore Orioles? Very, very structured. I don't know. I, I, I mean, I'm not that deep into the Orioles, but they, I mean, from what I've seen in the in the dugout, they are loosey goosey. They have the uh, the Homer hose, aka the dong bong. Throw that uh, in the comments, maybe if you if you're listening, throw throw out your opinions. What are some ACHA to MLB comparisons? I think like Liberty has been like the Dallas Cowboys minus the Super Bowls, Definitely. right? Like I think that's maybe a comparison. We, we could break it down all day, but I want to get Herm. Herm, what what are your uh, your picking up pucks for this week? A uh, little promo just for our boy our boys at Second String Leather. Uh, their new spring collection comes out Saturday at 8 p.m. We're not being paid to say that at all. We genuinely, I, I love their products so much. We're hoping to work with them in the near future. And if anyone happens to directly work for or have family who can hire Gavin Liddell in any sort of capacity, that man needs to be in a professional team atmosphere, worked for Cuse Hockey, worked for the Kansas City Chiefs. Yes, those Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs and produced banger content after banger content. He is one of the best photographers I've ever had the pleasure of meeting and calling a friend in my entire life. He deserves nothing but greatness. So any organization would be fortunate to hire Gavin Liddell. Yeah, got to give the Gav.go plug. Uh, second string leather though, that reminds me, they do player gear too. And I have my beat up pair of Syracuse gloves with like the orange cuff and the orange fingers and they smell so bad. So maybe they can work their magic and turn it into like a keychain or a wallet for me. I'm going to have to send Zach, Zach a photo. Maybe if he's listening, uh, we can come up with some way to reuse my old gloves, but another huge weekend in Syracuse. We have a block party, which I, it's basically like our spring concert and it was canceled my freshman year. There was none our sophomore year. Last year, my brother got married that weekend, so I missed it. So senior year, it'll be the first time I'm here for it. Uh, Really looking forward to that. Um, Then we'll do some Olympic style activities with the women's hockey team later on in the weekend. And it should be a good one here Uh in Syracuse. But as always, thank you so much for listening this week. Again, make sure you're following us on all the social channels at Hockey House Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. If you need us, shoot us a DM. More than happy to talk hockey. Got any content ideas for the offseason? Podcast conversations you think we should have? We're more than happy to listen to your suggestions. Like I said, we'll we'll keep the the content rolling this offseason, and and we'll see you next week. See you, boys. Sorry for ranting about baseball. Yeah.